Image comic called Supreme. This was 1992. This just got real. But, you know, I love this stuff. All right, welcome back to another Non-Outrage Comics. My name is John Garrett, also known as JG. This week, we're going to be talking about an old image comic called Supreme. And this is because last week we went into Local Man Number 1, another image comic book from today. This one kind of called back to those early image comics and it got me in that kind of a mood. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go dig through my stuff. I'm going to do a review on some of that early 90s image stuff. Now, the problem is here that my comic collection is kind of in a state of disarray. And so it wasn't exactly easy to find. And I thought I had some young blood or some wildcats or something. Man, I couldn't find any of that stuff. <laughs> and actually, I was going to try to do young blood. But uh, instead, I found issue one and two of Supreme. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do these. And that's what happened. I, I pulled them out, read them. And so we're going to talk about Supreme today instead of Youngblood. But this is another Rob Liefeld creation. So who is Supreme? So Supreme is a uh, he's a Superman analog character. You know, he's got massive power. He's on a uh, completely godlike scale of power. But unlike Superman, he has a very different attitude. This is this guy, I guess you can describe him as being a big old a-hole. And he's, he's kind of only just this side of right. And Rob Liefeld, in the letters page of the first issue, they always have to put something that they don't have letters yet because it hasn't come out. So he kind of wrote about what he wanted. And what he said was he wanted to create someone with great power, but who was driven more by his ego than by heroism. And then he also took a shot at Marvel in that page. So it was kind of a contentious time. But uh, um, I think he accomplished his goal. So at the time, the comic did not fare well. A lot of Image Comics didn't fare well at first. They didn't um, get a lot of good press. And I remember it being kind of savaged in the comic review magazine. There was a magazine called Wizard Magazine and even a short-lived Hero magazine that was similar to Wizard. And they kind of, uh, you know, punched down on Supreme. But what I remember more than anything was that years down the line, Supreme was completely revamped, and it was handed over to um, none other than comic deity Alan Moore of, of Watchmen and V for Vendetta fame. And they just let him rebuild it from the ground up. And I remember... You know, this was years later. I remember picking up one of those and having no idea what was going on. And, you know, college does that to your understanding of continuity. You kind of dip out for four years. Everything changes, you know, I guess. Who knew? But let's get into the comic itself. Supreme number one. This was 1992. If I recall correctly, again, I was in college. So these that's why I only have two of these. I, you know, money was scarce. It was tight. And I just couldn't afford to keep up with this stuff. But anyway, so we start out with Supreme. He's approaching Earth. He's flying unaided in space. We can already see his power level. He's, he's flying in toward Earth. He's confronted. Earth commander, Earth whoever, sees that someone is coming. Someone very powerful is coming and decide we better do something about this. So they send up Youngblood. And Youngblood was another Rob Liefeld creation, of course, a super team. and 
they were sent up to confront whoever this was. They don't know who it is yet. So Supreme somehow was able to speak to them in space, again, showing his power level. He identifies himself as Supreme, which no one believes. Then, since they don't believe him, they they attack him, and Supreme kind of easily beats these guys up, again, demonstrating his power level. Then, um, since they're getting beaten up, they're like, well, hold on, hold on. Let me, you know, if you're really Supreme, we need to take you down to this, you know, world conference or some crap. And they're like, hey, Supreme, come on down here. So this is a big deal. And then we come to find out that Supreme has been gone from Earth for a long time, like 50 years. He hasn't been seen since World War II. And, and remember, this comic is in the 90s, so it's been, you know, 50 years. And... This brings me to, like, the best quote of this book when they're, like, analyzing Supreme. They're, they're checking him over with their technology, like their Star Trek tricorder, tricorder. And then there's this wonderful jargon here. Let me just quote. His weight, mass, and density seem to be in a constant state of multi-level fluctuation. We couldn't begin to measure the range of his molecular power structure. And I'm like, yeah, you know, of course not. What if you thought you could measure that molecular power structure? What are you crazy? But, you know, it's easy to make fun of it now. But that's the way the dialogue was back then. Like, like the bad guy was always saying something like, you know, I'm going to reverse the polarity of your ions. And I'm like, no, not his ions. You know, this just got real. But, you know, I love this stuff. So anyway, the Supreme, he's at the conference. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's me, you know. And they're, they're calling him Mr. Supreme. He's like, no, just Supreme. And then he turns down an offer to join Youngblood. And he dips out. You know, he, he was not a fan of the whole Youngblood deal. As a matter of fact, he says something to the effect of, how long have you been creating these superhumans? He doesn't like it. And this comic was kind of like Vought American from, from the boys before the boys. This is a corporate-sponsored super team. And, and even they weren't the first. Back in, uh, even a few years earlier in Justice League, there was a corporate rival team that was called the Conglomerate. But uh, they didn't last long. But anyway, so Supreme takes off at the end of the issue. And for some reason, he's flying and, and we see like a manly tear fall down his face. And then we hear from some guy named Temple who decides he wants Supreme to join his super team, which is called Heavy Metal. And it's uh, M-E-T-T-L-E, Heavy Metal. And it's like, I don't remember those guys at all. But that's the end of that issue where, okay, is Supreme going to join his team? And who, who is this guy, Temple, who thinks that Supreme is going to join his team when he turned down Youngblood? Who clearly are like, you know, the Avengers of, of Image. These are the, the, uh, the top tier guys. So anyway, you know, I'm really intrigued. I'm reading this uh, for the first time in years and years. And I'm like, okay, what what happened next? What happened? So let's get into issue two. So then, you know, I continue on issue two. And we start off with Supreme lamenting that all his old World War II allies are gone. Defeated, he says, by, by their own mortality. You know, what a bunch of losers. They died of old age. But anyway, then Supreme, he kind of uses his supervision or whatever. He looks around the entire image universe at the time. He's seeing... The Wildcats, Jim Lee's Wildcats, who actually moved over to D.C. years later. He's seeing, you know, the uh, uh, Spawn and Cyberforce and such. And, you know, he doesn't care for any of these guys. But we're, they're just letting you know he's he's in this universe with these guys. And then, you know, out of the blue, 
he's like, I got to go and kill an old enemy. So he just flies off and he goes to this prison and he bursts in. And when I say he meant to kill him, he literally says there, hey, I'm here to kill you. And he shows up to kill this guy. <laughs> and apparently, you know, we see how he's, he was an old enemy and, and he killed people that Supreme cared about. And now Supreme's here to just, you know, do something he probably should have done before is probably what he was thinking. And then he stopped when Heavy Metal, remember Heavy Metal, shows up. And there's a bunch of kind of, um, I won't say they're lame, but they're kind of bland super characters. There's like a super speedster guy and, you know, another guy who shoots some kind of rays or something. None of them were very exceptional. And I think that's why I just never remembered heavy metal at all. But anyway, so he beats down on these guys as well. Not quite as easily as he did Youngblood, though. He actually gets cut by this guy who I think is maybe some kind of supernatural and it, it, it uh, harkens back to, to Superman's legendary weakness against magic. Like, again, this guy is a Superman analog character. So, in, in 1985, when, when legendary creator John Byrne revamped Superman, and he, he just pretty much said Superman's extremely powerful, but he's still just a mortal being like the rest of us, and as such, is susceptible to magical attacks. And therefore... I believe Supreme was also susceptible to this guy's attack. But unlike Superman, there's some dialogue that shows that Supreme, he gets cut, but then his body analyzes this attack and his body creates a defense to this attack. And then this actually leads to the the uh, the great quote from from this issue. Let me read this after Supreme gets cut. He then thinks this this defies all physiological law. His DNA has a bioelectrical maxi structure, creating a microscopic network of molecular superstring, giving him a crystal-like outer layer of epidermis more dense than trionite diamond. Actually, forgive me, I meant to say tritonite diamond. What, what the hell, man? Anyway, so obviously that makes sense, right? So, so let's move on. But I, I loved it. So, anyway. Supreme ends the fight with his beta vision, as you might have. You might have guessed he would do that. Hey, did Supreme use his beta vision? Of course. Of course he did. Anyway, so a repeat of issue one happens when the group, they get beat down. So now they're like begging Supreme to come to a meeting. Can you come to a meeting? Please come to a meeting after you just kicked our butts. And so then Supreme meets this Temple, Mr. Temple. And we don't get to be privy to what Temple and Supreme talked about. They go off and the rest of the team is like, whatever, we don't need this guy, blah, blah, blah. But then Supreme flies off and Temple then says, Supreme's going to be joining the group. And you know what? I have no idea if he did or not because I don't have any more of those. You're like, damn you, college. I don't have any more of these comics. So, <laughs> and at the end of this issue, some aliens show up who seem to know about Supreme, but I don't think they're there for him. Or maybe they are. I don't know. They're probably going to destroy the planet or something. But the point is, I have no idea what happened after that. But I wanted to learn what happened. So you know, here's here's my thoughts after reading these. So, you know, no, they don't hold up by modern standards. And the storytelling wasn't very polished, even by the standards of the early 90s. But these guys, the image founders, remember, this was a group of artists who left Marvel and they decided to do their own thing. They wanted to create their own characters and they wanted to have control of it and get really paid for their contributions. But they were taking on a lot. 
you know, when they're at Marvel, all they had to do was draw. They got they got the script, they drew, and then they handed off those pages. Somebody inked them, somebody colored them, somebody took care of the the publishing, sending it to the printer, getting it out on time. They didn't have to deal with any of that. They just needed to go and draw the next thing. But now they're business owners. They're they're taking part in their own future here in in the creation of every aspect of these comics. So now they have to plot it, then write it, write the script out, draw this thing, then coordinate the rest of the creation of the comic, you know, with the inker, with the letterer, with the colorist. And then they have to get it to the printer, get it published. And it was clear that they were learning this stuff on the fly. And I think it's pretty amazing that the stuff came out at all. I remember hearing all kinds of things about how early image stuff was always late and the retailers were pissed. Sometimes the solicitations would just be flat out wrong. It would say like Youngblood number five coming out in June. Then June would come and go and maybe we see that issue in November. And the retailers would just be pissed like, sorry, I don't have it. They said it was coming in. It's not here. And so I think the only one of those early image comics that came out on time was Todd McFarlane's Spawn. And I remember the comic magazines praising him for putting out 11 issues in 12 months. He only missed one shipping date. And he was the only one who was able to make that happen. And, and well, those artists, they took a huge risk and look like 30 years later, boy, did it pay off. I mean, they had no idea if it was going to pay off. It was a risk. But the company is going strong. It's a de facto number three. And, and they have so many books coming out. It's clearly when you're a creator and you want to um, own your work, you want to get it published, you send it to Image. I've sent a couple things to Image. They, they never bit on a couple, any of the things that I sent. But the option is there. I mean, like, like they say, it's like, hey, we don't like your project. It doesn't mean we don't like you. And they'll say, just send us something else. Maybe we like it. So. It was also interesting, if we think of all those creators, there was like, obviously, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, there was Jim Lee, uh, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, I'm trying to think, Jim Valentino, these guys left, and, and then Rob ended up getting kicked out fairly early after a couple years. I think there was some drama about people not getting paid, but I don't know what was true and what was not, and as I recall, Image says that Rob was kicked out and then Rob says that he left. So I'm willing to believe both of those. You know, if that's what they say, Hey man, if you say you left, that's fine with me. And if image says that, you know, you got kicked out, that's fine with me. I don't have any dog in that race, but also I noticed at the beginning of these issues, when I look in the front, it says that they were, published by Malibu Comics. I forgot about Malibu Comics. Now they were, I used to see their stuff on the stands, but it wasn't stuff that I wanted. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't superhero stuff. They weren't involved in it and they wanted to get into the superhero game. So eventually, you know, they struck that deal with the image creators and they published all the image stuff at first. And eventually image parted ways with them. And then Malibu started a line of superhero comics that was called the Ultraverse. And again, people ripped on the Ultraverse. 
But I enjoyed a lot of those comics, man. I really did. They had a guy called Prime, who was kind of like a, you know, Shazam, Captain Marvel sort of a character. And, uh, you know, another dude named Hard Case. And uh, um, it was just a lot of stuff that I really did enjoy. And I think Malibu was eventually bought by Marvel. If I recall correctly, it was kind of weird. But I think that's what happened. So the thing is, I guess uh, um, to, to wrap it up, the final thought on this is that, yeah, it's, it's very easy to disparage these early image comics and, and even to disparage Rob Liefeld, who I believe receives criticism every day, probably. But I just remember reading these and enjoying them, and I just enjoyed reading them again. So, you know, not every comic has to win the, uh, like, like what is it, the Eisner Award or something. That's a prestigious award in comics named after uh, Will Eisner, who's a legendary creator who created a comic called The Spirit, which even if you've never read it, you've probably seen or heard of it at some point. But anyway, not every comic has to be an Eisner Award winning comic. We're, I'm in this to be entertained and to enjoy the, the, the art form, the medium. I like the collaborative, the collaborative aspect of it where, you know, one guy's writing, another guy's drawing, another guy's inking it over. Somebody else comes into color. Then finally someone's going to letter this darn thing and they're going to push it out the door and get it on the stand. And it's just the, the product of a lot of people's work. But when it comes to this, I did enjoy it. And I think what I'm going to do, I'm probably going to pick up a trade or something on this so I can catch up. I actually wonder what happened now. Well, who were those aliens? I mean, did Supreme, did he actually join the, uh, the heavy metal team and what, what happened there? So I, I'm definitely interested to find out what happened with all that. And I think it should be it should be good for a couple of uh, afternoons of good reading. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off for now. now this is another episode of Non-Outrage Comics down the, down the tubes. And please like and share and subscribe uh, if, if you like this one. I really appreciate it. So I'm going to see you guys next time. <laughs>